Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 326. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for downloading. First-time listeners, we're glad you found us. We hope you become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the new streaming service for sports lovers, the things you need to know to fly your drone safely this summer, and how we see with our brains when watching super high-resolution displays like 8K TV. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to put the iPad Pro to the test we're also going to check out the Hisense 4K OLED TV. And Netgear has launched the Orbi Outdoor Satellite. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products. And also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so let's get cracking. Now, we love our sports I'm a massive sports lover, and I'm sure a lot of you are as well. And we've heard of a lot of streaming services that are mainly for TV shows and movies, but what would you say if I told you there is a streaming service now for sport? It's called KO Sports. That's K-A-Y-O, obviously KO, like the knockout. KO Sports, this new streaming service that can deliver more than 50 sports live and on demand. This is a service coming to you from Fox Sports, ESPN, and BN Sports, so all those channels combined. And it includes all the most popular sports that Australians love. We're talking cricket, rugby league, AFL, rugby union, NFL, golf, basketball, tennis, motorsports, so much more. Subscribers can access up to 30,000 hours of content. So it's not just live sport. There's also documentaries and other entertainment shows as well. It can be accessed. It can be streamed on iOS and Android devices. Uh, you can even watch it on your laptop, on your PC, and also view it on Telstra TV, Apple TV, and with a Chromecast Ultra uh, on your TV as well. Now, there's several advantages for this service, apart from it being Available apart from it just being there for you to watch all the sport you want to watch, there are a lot of nice little features for a real dedicated sports fan. Uh, so you can set up, you can personalize the service. That's what I like about it. So you can select the codes and teams that you like, the teams you follow, and you can then receive notifications reminding you when there are matches that are about to start or other shows that have uh, that are related to your team and if you, you can even choose if if you come, if you come into the game if you're coming late into the picture and you don't have time to watch the whole game you may have, you just want to see the, the 
the highlights? Well, there's a feature called Key Moments, and that does just that. It runs you through all the most important moments across your selected matches. But the other, the other really cool thing about it is how often have you thought, oh, there's one, there's a, there's one sport on one channel and there's another sport on another channel. Which one do I watch? Do I keep flicking between the two? Well, that's not an issue now. With KO Sports, you've got split view. So you can now choose to stream up to four different games on one screen. So now you can, rather than flipping, channel flipping to see, you can have them all there at once. That, to me, is paradise. That is excellent, an excellent feature and one that I'm sure that you would take advantage of. So what you can do is you can rotate what's the main picture. So there's a main image, and there's three smaller windows down the right-hand side, and you can quickly rotate. If something's happening in one of the other games, you can quickly make that the main screen. And that, to me, sounds like a man cave essential. If you're a sports fan wanting to stay abreast of all of the sport that's going on, imagine that on a weekend. It'd be perfect. But what about those times where you've, you don't want to know the result of the game. That's very rare for me. I like to watch all my sports live, I'm, uh, unless I can guarantee not knowing the score and I can watch it pretty soon after the event's ended. Uh, I'll, 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 I probably won't watch it after, after the result. But now there's a no spoilers feature. So rather than... Imagine you're tuning in. I'm sure you've done this. You come home, you, you've, you've, set your, you've recorded a game, and you turn on your TV, and then in the news wrap-up, it gives away the score. <laughs> that just defeats the whole purpose of the whole thing. Well, now there's a no-spoilers feature, so if you've missed the match live and don't want to know the score, obviously, then you can switch off the score updates so that none of them run along the bottom of the screen, no, nothing will be pushed out. Uh, you can turn off those updates and jump right into the action and as if you're watching a live game. That is another great feature as well. And if you are, if you've come, say you've, you've decided, oh, you've missed the kickoff and it's halfway through the game, you can actually go back and watch from the start. So rather than you just think, trying to think, oh, what happened in the first half, what happened, you can just decide, no, no, I'm going to watch it as if it's live. We're going to go back and, and stream it from the start of the game. So it's, it's, it's like a catch-up, little mini catch-up service there. So you can go back to the start of the game, uh, watch it from the start. Really cool. Match Center, another feature that's kind of another layer. If you're into stats and stuff like that, that, that's also pretty cool. So if you want to view the stats along with pre- and post-match videos, you can do that. Does it sound good? I love this. KO Sports, it is available now. Viewers can sign up for $25 a month. For that, you get all those the features and channels that I talk, spoke about, all, all those sports I spoke about. Uh, as well as the ability to watch concurrent streams, so you've got you've got two you can have two different devices running at the same time running the service for twenty five bucks a month. If you want to go even further, you can go thirty five bucks a month, and that puts three concurrent streams at your fingertips. So watch it on three different devices at the same time. There are no locking contracts either, so you can jump out whenever you want. Telstra customers can even add KO to their home or broadband package. Telstra TV 2 also offers KO TV as an app that you can watch on your main TV, uh, as does Apple TV, I understand, so you can watch that on your Apple TV as well. This summer, though, uh, it's just in time for cricket, so KO has partnered with Cricket Australia, and they're going to bring you every 
ball from the international, all the international matches of this Aussie summer, as well as the KFC, BBL and Rebel WBBL tournaments as well. You can sign up for a 14-day free trial. Uh, the link is on our story at Tech Guide and start streaming right now to test out this amazing service that I'm sure a few sports lovers out there will embrace. KO Sports, it's definitely worth it if you're a sports lover. All sport, all the time. If you want to read more about that story, check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, I don't think it's a major shock to when I tell you that uh, drones are going to be very popular again this summer. I think they're going to be a, a Christmas gift, a popular Christmas gift. But even the time of year, of course, it's getting into the summer, the warmer months, the warmer weather, and it is just the conditions are just conducive for drone flight. You might want to, you may already have a drone and think, I'm going to get it out again and fly it again in this summer. Or you may be thinking of buying one or being, uh, maybe asking for Santa to bring you one for Christmas. Either way, all of those people that I just mentioned, my, myself included, because I'm a, I'm a licensed drone pilot. I'm sure I've mentioned that on this program before. I've had my license for two years now. Every person who flies a drone are all covered by the same rules and regulations. And it's really important that you know what you're doing, what the main rules are from set down by the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, CASA for short, so you, you really need to know the basics. That's one thing that surprised me when I got my license a couple of years ago, and it took me seven straight days of study, testing, and flight testing, uh, that you do need to know a fair amount to fly your drone safely. So there's a lot of people who would who'd be, maybe rock up to a store and buy off the shelf and say, oh, she'll be right and I can fly my drone. There is a little yellow leaflet inside that basically summarizes the rules, but there are so many things you need to know. And if you don't follow those rules, uh, you could face fines of up to $9,000, which is probably way more than you're even going to spend on your drone. So it does really pay to keep abreast of these rules, pay attention, and... If you, if you do break the rules, it's not hard for you to get caught, especially if you're filming and you publish that footage. It's really, uh, you're giving yourself up. So the main rules for flying for drone pilots, we're going to run through them pretty quick, and the, as well as some other tips that we've got from ParaZero, the drone safety company. But first of all, you can't fly your drone higher than 120 metres above the ground. Uh, above that is controlled airspace. So you've got to stay, your, your ceiling is 120 metres you can you can only fly during the day clear conditions and you have to have visual line of sight in other words you've got to see it all the time and so you can't fly it as far as far away uh, for you to not be able to see it with with your naked eye so you cannot fly it kilometers away because you that is beyond the visual line of sight you also can't fly uh, within 30 meters of other people uh, as well as po you can't fly over populated areas so if you want to fly it over the beach or a sports event or there was a guy who got fined $1,000 for flying his drone over an Ed Sheeran concert. So he got caught. 
You also can't fly over any area that where there's maybe an emergency operation underway, so if there's like bushfires or something going on where emergency operations are, are currently underway, you can't fly your drone over that. So if it's a car crash, a fire, search and rescue, anything like that, stay away with your drone. Uh, and you cannot operate in prohibited or restricted areas. Now, anyone who hasn't done any bit of training or reading or looked at any safety apps or information apps uh, may find themselves flying in places where it is actually restricted. Did you know that Sydney Harbour and its surrounding areas is restricted airspace? That doesn't mean fly sometimes. It means you can't fly at all. Eden Atias, he's the CEO of ParaZero. He's also uh, chimed in with some timely advice, some tips for not only flying your drone, but what drone to purchase and how you should go about it, some some timely advice here. Number one, make sure the drone is age appropriate. I'm sure there's possibly parents listening to this thinking, oh, we're going to get little Johnny uh, a drone for Christmas. And I've seen many cases where parents have, have bought their child, and I'm talking like kids under 16, a drone that's worth a couple of thousand dollars that is just too much drone for them to handle. They do require a fair bit of skill to operate. So buy a drone that's probably appropriate to your child's age, maybe uh, more a toy rather than a pro device. That's, uh, that's my advice for that one. Uh, even if you're flying a small drone, so uh, whether it's for recreational purposes or a, a bigger drone, they all follow the same rules. So they're all regulated in the same way. Check the CASA website. Uh, the, there's a, their drone flyer website. I've got a link to it on Tech Guide. Really great resource for recreational flyers. So it lets you know, gives you some videos, some tips and tricks, and links to additional material. So relevant, relevant regulations uh, for you to follow, which sometimes change. And we're seeing that now. The, the industry is really maturing, and we're seeing some slight tweaks to the regulations. Uh, bigger drones, of course, if you've got, uh, you've got to stay five and a half kilometers away from controlled aerodrome. So that's airports and aviation airfields. Check the CASA app as well. This is probably the best tip. The CASA has an excellent app called Can I Fly There? So if you turn up at a spot and you think, I want to fly my drone here, fire up the CASA app and it will tell you, it'll find your location and tell you exactly whether you can or can't fly there. If you, if it's in a red, Red circle, you'll see it's in restricted airspace or, or within range of an airport. So you'll know straight away whether it's near an airport, helicopter landing pads, restricted areas, controlled airspace. The app has all of that information. Here's another one. I don't think many people would be aware of this. But in New South Wales, you cannot fly lower than 300 metres above a marine mammal. So if you uh, you spot a whale or a dolphin, you've got to stay 300 metres away. So that's not only 300 metres above it. Well, if you're 300 metres above it, you're breaking the rules anyway because the ceiling's 120. But you have to stay within a w- further than 300 metres away, even horizontal radius. So don't think you're going to get some close-ups of a whale or a dolphin. Uh, so another thing probably people weren't aware of. Also... This is a this is another this is another tricky one as well. Drones aren't made to spy on people, so don't think you're going to just be checking uh, over the neighbour's fence with your drone. 
that's kind of not on. It's a bit scary when people do that. You don't want to be invading people's privacy. And if a drone is hovering outside your window, you'd be well you'd be well entitled to grab a broomstick and knock it out of the sky. That's what I'd do if there was one outside my home. So uh, these aren't made to spy on people. So watch that. If you're filming anyone without their consent, you may uh, you, you actually be breaking the law. Uh, you need to take care of your batteries as well. Batteries are important to the fuel of your aircraft here, so uh, handle them with care. Batteries, uh, like other like other batteries and other devices, over time they can uh, they can give you less flight time, but also they can change. You, you've got to keep an eye on them because they sometimes bulge or deform. This means there may be something wrong with the battery; it could be faulty, or has just come run has maybe run for too long. So keep an eye on that as well. Uh, and the other thing too is if you are a serious pilot and, and you want to cover yourself, uh, get insurance. You can actually buy drone insurance for not only your craft, for your the, the hull damage. They call that hull insurance. Uh, you can also insure yourself against damaging other people's property and, God forbid, injuring people. Even the most skilled pilots, things can go wrong, and you 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 might have a flyaway. The drone may you may lose control. So, uh, best to be covered if your drone flies into a car, or a house, or, or as I said, God forbid, it hurts someone. You'll need to you'll need some kind of cover. So, if you are going to be doing it along for uh, you know professionally or, or or often, it's a good idea to shop around to get some insurance. All those tips, great tips to follow, and uh, if you want to read more about them, also see the link to the CASA website and the CASA app. You know where to head to. Fly over to techguide.com.au. Now, last week I was actually in uh, in Korea. I went to the Samsung head office. Uh, I can't talk about what I saw there. I did sign an NDA, but one thing I can talk about right now is uh, a conversation I had with a neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Kyungmin Lee. He is from the Cognitive Science Institute of the Seoul National University. And we had a really interesting, he gave us an interesting insight into how we perceive, how our eyes and our brain perceives super resolution TVs. And, and by that I mean 8K TVs. Samsung announced 8K TVs back in at IFA a couple of months ago. So there's no doubt uh, they're already available in the US and Europe, but there's no doubt they're on their way to Australia. And his study, he, he, he provided some interesting insights in how we interpret super resolution detail. And, and the takeaway that I got was that we, our brains will appreciate the picture more than our eyes. So our, our, our brain, our eyes look, but it's our brain that sees. So even, he said, even when TVs go beyond 8K, they might be 16K, 32K, even though our eyes can't tell the difference of the resolution, our brains can still perceive that added detail, which which is interpreted as as depth and and a 3D space. So our brains can actually tell that difference when our eyes can't. So our brains can achieve greater depth perception once the as the resolution gets higher and higher, even if it goes beyond our retinal capability. Fascinating stuff. So when we're watching 
super resolution as well, a display like an 8K TV, our brains actually have less work to do. Would you believe our brain is constantly interpreting images? So if you're watching a lower resolution display, maybe some distortion, this requires added effort from your brain to filter out that detail, filter out that noise to make sense of what it is seeing. So that's why the doctor says that you, you'll find that you become fatigued and tired when you're watching poorly pixelated displays, so lower resolution may make you even more tight. But with 8K, your brain uh, has less work to do and can use that energy, the extra energy, to get into the narrative and the story and enjoy the experience even more. So you'll find that you're going to enjoy the content even more because your brain's got more time to get into it and uh, and, and enjoy the experience. We We also need... One thing with humans is that we need information to work out emotions on a human face. So we know that when a face does certain has certain expressions, it is needs to be processed. Our brain says, "Okay, I can see the 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 corners of their mouth going up. That must mean they're smiling. That equals happy." So whatever split second time it takes for our brain to interpret that, it's made even easier. And and your brain processes it faster when it when it watches this really clear display. So it is the your brain is going to really appreciate you having a 8K television probably more than your eyes. And I asked the question. I said, "Well, is 8K? Should we we do we go beyond that?" And he said, "Well, no. Our eyes. I mentioned earlier, our eyes might not be able to tell the difference." But our brains have even more capacity than our eyes to detect and appreciate the added depth of the image and that added visual information. So he said there's no limit. We need to look at 16K and 32K and beyond that. So you've got to remember 8K TV is four times 4K TV, just as 4K TV is four times better than full HD TV. So as you can see, these leaps we're making. So 16K, therefore, would be four times the resolution of 8K. Now, the thing with 8K TV, and the reason why it's going to be popular next year, is that it's to to meet our growing appetite for larger televisions. We love a big TV, and having 8K resolution allows that experience to be enhanced. So you can just imagine we're we're watching 4K content on an 80-inch screen. The pixels have to stretch over a further area. So rather than rather than doing that, 8K TV gives there's more pixels to play with, and 8K TV also has the upscaling technology so that it can build that image to look look more like an 8K image as well. So if we're watching an 88 inch television, an 8K TV is going to look remarkable thanks to its upscaling technology as well. So the not not a lot of 8K content. In fact, there's none. So when even when these TVs come out next year, there's no content for them. So if you put a 4K movie on, it'll upscale that by four to, by a factor of four to make it to fill these added pixels, intelligently fill them up so that you're seeing an even sharper image, and your brain is going to have a ball.
If you want to read that interview with our, our neuroscientist, Dr. Myung, Dr. Kyung Min Lee, he's an MD, PhD from the Cognitive Science Institute of Seoul National University. Fascinating chat we had with him. If you want to see that for yourself at Tech Guide, check it out, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. They're also the company behind Orbi, the award-winning system that makes your Wi-Fi faster and takes your Wi-Fi further. Orbi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size home, large or small, from apartments and lofts to single-family homes and even sprawling estates. No more dead zones, no black spots, just better Wi-Fi everywhere. And for those times when you need a little more, Orbi add-on satellites gives you additional coverage inside and out. We're going to talk about the outdoor satellite a little bit later. Perfect for your backyards, garages, and even the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbi's tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favorite movies in 4K and play online games by providing ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices are connected. Orbi plugs into your existing modem and is really easy to set up with just a couple of clicks. And not only does it work great, it also looks great too and blends into your home's decor. Orbi is the easiest, fastest and most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi network available today. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Alrighty, our reviews, and we're going to be chatting about the iPad Pro. This is the latest tablet from Apple, and I have to say it has gone into a whole new class. It is on a, in a class of its own. It has been significantly updated, not only from a design perspective, but also under the hood Amazing performance, faster than ever before, matches a laptop, can do things a laptop can't do. Uh, it, it really, really has gone to the next level. And with this all-new design too, home button, gone, jettisoned. The home button no longer exists. It is edge-to-edge screen. So it's like you're holding a piece of glass in your hand. No buttons, nothing but screen. So even thinner bezels, you are, you having, it, it offers a great experience whether you're working or viewing content. The, uh, the screen size uh, is still 11 and a 12.9-inch version. For our review purposes, we looked at the 12.9-inch. But one other change is the addition of a USB-C port that uh, really puts it in the same ballpark as a laptop now, and it really does offer some connectivity options. Uh, Design-wise, uh, we've already mentioned, really spectacular without the home button, but also it's remarkably thin as well. It's only a 5.9-millimeter body, so really nice, really thin. It'll surprise you, actually, how thin it is. The 11-inch model is actually the same size as the previous 10.5-inch model, so without the home button, more screen in the same space. With the 12.9-inch, though, it is actually remarkably smaller, almost a quarter of the size smaller, so 25% smaller, 15% lighter as well. I I remember the 12.9-inch, the previous version, was a beast. It was a massive device. But now the 12.9-inch iPad Pro really looks the goods, and it's not too big at all, so really easy to carry around. Still a beast, just a beast with a smaller body. 
and uh, not having that home button, of course, makes way for more display space. And without the home button, you need Face ID. Uh, and just like the iPhone 10, uh, it looks at your face and unlocks your screen. Even when you clumsy like me, when you're holding the the device by the on the edges, and I've often have my thumb over the camera. And when that happens, you're trying to unlock it. It, it, This little arrow pops up and it says camera covered. So it basically says politely, uh, move your hand, stupid. I'm trying to unlock with Face ID. And they did that to me many times. Performance-wise, it's got the A12X Bionic chip. This is uh, Apple-made silicon, and it does really, really well. It can handle everything you throw at it, whether it's Microsoft Office, Photoshop, design apps, editing apps, photography apps. Uh, It'll do it with ease. Also, augmented reality, effortless. I did see a few examples where uh, I was looking at the, the insides of a jet engine, and you could easily just rotate this image in real time really smooth Uh, the neural engine on board also does a lot of that heavy lifting with advanced machine learning and apparently it can complete five trillion operations a second that's pretty good so a bottom line here is that the ipad pro will not disappoint you in terms of performance it does a great job Camera-wise, you've got the front true-depth camera, so that's your Face ID camera and also your FaceTime camera. You can then use portrait mode and also create some fun emojis and emojis. On the back is a 12-megapixel single-lens camera, similar to what you'll find on the iPhone XR. Uh, You can shoot 4K video at 60 frames per second and deliver smart HDR for your photographs. It's also got five microphones built in so that if you're filming video, it'll give you great directional sound as well. But probably the biggest change, apart from the design, one of the biggest changes of the iPad Pro is the introduction of the USB-C port. Now, when when I first heard about this, I thought, wow, this is really exciting because it's going to really turn this into more like a laptop. And I was really looking forward to uh, trying this and being uh, looking forward to this being the factor that made the iPad Pro a definite laptop replacement. But it turns out that this new feature that I was most looking forward to seeing turned out to be its biggest disappointment. Yes, yeah, you can connect a camera, an external monitor, musical instrument, whatever you want to connect. Some things connect, and that's all well and good. A camera, great. Monitor, great. You can even charge your phone, great. But little things that you expect you can do with, say, a laptop, like connecting a, a, a little external drive or a USB flash drive, nothing. It will not work. I, I tested it with the new, the little Samsung SSD drives, the, the T5, and that's USB-C. I had my USB-C cable, connected it to the iPad, nothing. Couldn't access the files, couldn't drag files on or off, nothing. And that, that was disappointing. I tried it again. I put a USB hub, a USB-C hub on there. So I connected one USB cord, and then it and then opened up the way for me to connect a HDMI cable, uh, another USB-C, a couple of USB uh, 3.0 connections. And I put thumb drives in there, tried it all. Nothing. Won't do it. And it is that's disappointing. I think it's probably more to do with iOS 12 
than anything else uh, because iOS 12, which is the same OS that's running on your phone, uh, that is just won't play ball when it to connecting external some many most external devices. You, you think that uh, I think a lot of a lot of customers may have thought they can get away with buying the 64 gig iPad Pro and just attaching a one terabyte external drive for all their memory needs. Well, think again. That's not going to work. If you want a terabyte of memory, you can't just add uh, add an external drive. You need to buy that. You need to have it on board at the get-go. So I think that's a little cheeky on Apple's behalf where you can't BYO your data. You can only use what's on board as storage uh, unless you use cloud storage. But there's a lot of people who carry around little things. They've got to connect it on the fly. Uh, you, you can't do that. I even thought, he's, he's, hear this one out, I would have loved to be able to connect a mouse to the iPad Pro. I always use a mouse when I'm using my MacBook. Um, I just like to have the ability to have a little cursor, and it does help me get stuff done quicker. And being able to have a mouse and scroll around, move the cursor around, that would have been amazing. But no, no way. I can connect my mouse. I just can't use the mouse. Bluetooth, it recognizes it, just can't use it. So there are, though, some great accessories, including the Smart Keyboard Folio. This is a really good accessory. Uh, great finger, great keyboard right under your fingers there. Uh, but, again, a couple of features missing here. I would have put a home button on the keyboard. There's no home button on the device. Why not pop, pop one on the keyboard? So rather than you having to reach over, swipe up to get to your home screen or to close an app down, uh, why not include a little home button? Even when you do have to swipe up, when the when the keyboard's connected, there's not a hell of a lot of room to get your finger underneath the base there and swipe up. Uh, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. So I thought that was uh, something that was a little bit missing there as well. And and I should mention that the smart keyboard folio is an, an added an add on an accessory. It's two hundred ninety nine dollars for the twelve point nine inch version, and two sixty nine for the iPad, uh, the eleven inch iPad Pro keyboard, smart keyboard folio. But if you do want that laptop feel, that's kind of what you need to do. Uh, the other thing that's been upgraded is the Apple Pencil, new size, new shape. It's a little shorter, uh, but it does have one flat edge so that it prevents it rolling off your desk. But also, that flat edge is where you can it attaches magnetically to the top of the iPad Pro, which not only pairs it, but also charges it as well and it also provides a great place to store it uh, magnetically there as well. The Apple Pencil, again, it's an add-on. It's $199 to buy the Apple Pencil. But I think if you are serious about your your drawing and sketching and designing, then I think Apple Pencil's a must if you are to purchase, if you do purchase the iPad Pro. The audio side, four speakers, brilliantly done. They've they managed to fit the, offer a big sound in this really small space. Uh, so that sounds great. And when you're recording, I mentioned that your own videos or listening, you can hear that left and right separation even when listening, uh, watching a movie. It's uh, quite quite good. It just offers a, a great experience. Battery-wise, typically, again, iPad Pro kills it. The battery does really well, up to 10 hours, and that's even with uh, powering that larger screen. The A12X Bionic chip really provides some greater power efficiency there, so the battery lasts for up to 10 hours, which is uh, pretty reasonable. 
Now, there are things we didn't like, of course, and, and one is the fact that it's really expensive. The iPad Pro starts at twelve twenty nine for the eleven inch, fifteen twenty nine for the twelve point nine inch. If you want to go top of the line, twelve point nine inch, one terabyte, Wi Fi plus cellular, you're gonna be paying two thousand eight hundred and sixty nine dollars. And that's without the smart keyboard, which is an extra two nine nine, and without the Apple Pencil, which is an extra one nine nine. So that's another four hundred and ninety eight to that grand total three thousand three hundred and sixty seven dollars. That's just a hundred and twenty dollars short of a fifteen inch MacBook Pro with touch bar and touch ID. So it's if it's if it's touch and go whether it's a laptop replacement, a lot of people for a lot of people it could be. For me, I think it fell slightly short. I think it's about ninety percent laptop replacement, not a hundred percent. For some might be 100% for their workflow, works well. But again, I think the limitations are from the not from the hardware. The hardware is great. It's, it's iOS 12 that's kind of putting the handbrake on when it comes to enjoying that full computing environment like you get with Mac OS. Uh, it does have a few eccentricities that you just can't get around, but that don't exist on Mac OS. So that's what one thing I think customers really need to think hard about can this work for me as my laptop replacement or do I need the flexibility of an actual Mac OS to get my work done or Windows, whatever you happen to be using? But um, that, that that's a question for each individual. For me personally, not quite a laptop replacement. For others, they may think, yeah, it'll do. Another thing I was disappointed to see was uh, to, to see go was a headphone jack. Didn't really miss it on the iPhone. I very rarely used a cabled head, pair of headphones. I've gone wireless with the iPhone. But on the iPad, it's a different story. I do like to listen to uh, or watch things on it when I'm on a plane. And what I normally do is take aboard my Bose QC20 earphones, which have a cable, uh, and connect from if I'm watching the in-flight entertainment or I can easily unplug that, switch to my iPad, and boom, I'm watching something on my iPad. Uh, but that, that won't work now because the iPad doesn't have a headphone jack anymore. So you'll need to find a pair of noise-canceling headphones that can be used both wirelessly and with a cable. I know they're out there. They're expensive. AirPods work, but they don't have that noise-canceling capability you're after on a plane. So uh, that's another complaint I had there. And the... The devices are—I uh, I mentioned the pricing. Uh, pricing of I've put all of the whole list on Tech Guide. Uh, they're not cheap. The iPad Pro, while being an excellent product, they are not. It is not a cheap product, and um, it is something that if you—it it has amazing capabilities, can do things your laptop can't, but it can't do some things your laptop can do. So you need to find your middle ground. I think that's more a personal decision that people need to make there, but uh, it, it would be suitable for most people, just not everybody. But that's not to say this isn't a, a great device, a really powerful device, and one that's going to be very, very popular. If you want to read my complete review, you can head over to techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we're talking Hisense and their new OLEDs. We've had a chance to get in front of it now. We took a look at the 55-inch 4K Hisense OLED TV. This is their first 
4A into the OLED market. And their first attempt, I've got to say, quite an impressive one. They've got a 55-inch and a 65-inch TV. The 55-inch is 3499 The 65-inch, 4999 But both have been seen in stores for much cheaper than that. They're they recommended retail prices. I think the retailers are going pretty hard to give customers a deal there. Now, Hisense, uh, their OLED, very similar in design to the LG OLED. So uh, screen, really thin screen. We're talking thickness of a $2 coin here uh, at the top. The bottom, the base of the TV has the circuitry and all the all the all the inputs, so it does sort of give it some integrity down the bottom of the screen. There, very similar to what LG are offering. LG also has a, a minimal stand, which kind of adds to the minimal look and design of the TV as well. But really, really impressive how thin that screen is. Uh, and the, oh, the the screen has a really thin bezel as well. It's virtually there's no. Uh, it just the screen goes the picture goes edge to edge. So all you're seeing is the screen. Now we gave it a bit of a, a test run. We were it is 4K resolution, of course, so it does look great. And the beauty of OLED is the fact that there's no backlight required. That's hence the reason why it's as thin as a two dollar coin. But the other advantages of OLED is these really deep blacks you can achieve because that that's possible because there's no backlight to turn off. A pixel can be totally off and black not trying to block a backlight. That's the reason why black levels on OLEDs are seen by most, by most people to be superior to other formats. And from decent black levels, you also get decent color as well. So how did the Hisense perform, I hear you ask? Well, we did watch a, some uh, some Netflix, some couple of Blu-ray, couple of, sorry, some 4K movies. And I've got to say, uh, impressive. Uh, the, the picture quality was there. The black levels were impressive. The contrast was amazing. Brightness, not so crash hot. I, I, uh, I did have to do some tweaking in the settings. Uh, I had to put it on HDR dynamic mode, which is kind of what the store mode is when you're watching TVs in a store. Uh, that, that matched that HDR dynamic mode really pumped up the brightness. So I found HDR standard was a little too dark, uh, as well as HDR cinema. There just wasn't bright enough. Uh, the the other the other issue that you got with OLED is that it's it's not as bright as an LCD screen. So the high sensors ULED TVs are much brighter than an OLED. So if you are watching in a bright environment, you can't darken the room. Then it might be a little bit. It might not be. Uh, you might see a bit washed out, rather than having this really bright image that you'd get with their ULED and other LED TVs. So uh, the other issue that I found too was some reflections. The screen OLED uh, has this. The Hisense OLED had some pretty, pretty big reflective reflections. So if you're watching it in a bright room, again, you're not gonna you're gonna see everything but the picture. We we watched this in a in a room that was quite bright, had some fluorescent lights, and all all I could see, especially in the dark scenes, was myself in the screen and also the the pattern on the couch that I was sitting on. That's a little bit distracting. Other TVs don't suffer that kind of reflection. They've got filters that can bounce that off, but in this case, the OLED didn't quite have that. Still good if you can control your environment. You can still enjoy it, but there are these issues with it. Uh, the it, it does have, uh, as I mentioned, great black levels, great contrast. Color, flesh tones were great. 
but the rendered it renders colors. I think the the color level lacks a bit of the punch of other brands. Uh, it doesn't. I, I had to tweak the settings, the sharpness, the brightness, and do a bit of tweaking to sort of get it into that zone where it didn't look like artificially artificial like a cartoon, but also didn't look too bland either. Uh, this I feel was probably it 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 did sort of not didn't achieve the kind of color quality level and accuracy as other OLEDs that I've seen. Uh, sound quality is not bad too. I've got to say, without a sound bar, this thing sounds pretty good on its own. So that's a, a tick in the box there. Uh, back on the viewing though, the viewing angle was also pretty good as well. Excellent, in fact. I think there's a lot of people who may get stranded on the edge of the couch and don't have that plumb spot in the middle with the high sense OLED. The viewing angle, even almost to the side of the TV it still maintained its color and brightness and quality so that even if you are stranded out on the wing, you can still see the screen pretty well and still enjoy what you, what uh, the movie or whatever you happen to be watching, the movie or sort of match or whatever sport you might be watching. So overall pretty good. It also has game mode similar to its other TV, so it optimizes the connection for when you're playing games. Also has sport mode for sound, so it sounds like you're at the game, which is uh, something, another feature that I'm a big fan of for the Hisense TVs as well. But overall, I think you're getting a an affordable OLED, I like to call it here. I, I'm not going to lie, I don't think this is as good as some, the LG OLEDs, the Panasonic OLEDs, even the Sony OLEDs, which are far more expensive, by the way, but it's not far off it. So if you're looking for value for just a brilliantly thin screen and great picture quality. If you've got an environment where you can control the brightness, it's not going to be too bright, you can control the lighting, then go for it. It's going to be a good investment. I think there's some pretty good bargains to be had. As I said, the recommended retail prices, they're shredding them in stores, so you get it much cheaper than the prices I've listed on Tech Guide. But uh, if you want to get into OLED, I think Hisense delivered this because they want to give customers a choice. And uh, OLED is very popular now. Uh, you'll, you'll see OLED from LG, Sony, and Panasonic. Samsung sticking true with their QLED technology, which is amazing. But if you want to get into OLED at an affordable price, then the Hisense is uh, definitely worth a look. To read that complete review, you need to head over to techguide.com.au. We mentioned it earlier, but uh, Netgear, one of our sponsors, one of the sponsors of the Tech Guide podcast, has introduced a new Orbi Outdoor satellite. So if you've got an existing Orbi system... With the press of a button, you can add the Orbi Outdoor Satellite and extend that wireless coverage to your yard. So if you're with summer coming up, you might have a pool, you might have a little uh, uh, entertaining area, you may want to stream your music, you may want to position some security cameras out there, you may have a granny flat you want to connect as well. With the Orbi Tri-Band Outdoor Satellite, it is weatherproof, by the way, so you can mount this outside in the rain. Uh, It's weatherproof, so you can put it on the side of your house and can handle all of that. Uh, It means you can add that wireless coverage without having to run additional Ethernet cables. Uh, It does work uh, with the existing Orbi systems as well as a regular router. So with a regular router, you'd make it an extender, so you'd sort of have it in extender mode. But with a, if you've got an existing Orbi system, one press of a button, and this becomes yet another satellite for your Orbi mesh system. 
It's tri-band as well. We'll keep the same network name. Uh, all the features you've enjoyed with Orbi will just be continued out into your backyard. The Orbi Outdoor Satellite, it is. it sort of really gives us the expectation of having Wi-Fi everywhere. You think about... Uh, you think about turning on a tap and you just ex- you just expect, you, you take for granted the fact that water's going to pour out. Uh, it's the same for Wi-Fi. I think that Australian customers now, no matter where they are in their homes, and Australians tend to live in bigger homes than uh, people from other countries, especially people in Asian countries. We've got pr- fairly big properties here, so we need decent Wi-Fi coverage. And now being able to have that coverage outdoors will really add to your experience and make it a even better summer. So you might want to stream the cricket on your phone or your tablet by the pool. Uh, as I said, you may want to stream. Uh, you may want to connect some battery, some uh, sorry, some security cameras. You may also uh, want to stream some music to, to some outdoor speakers. Well, now you can if you've got this robust wireless network thanks to the Orbi Outdoor Satellite. It's got an IP56 rating for dust and water resistant. You can mount it to the side of your house if you want, uh, or near your garage or shed. Priced at five hundred and forty-nine bucks, so it's not cheap, but it is uh, will give you excellent coverage if you do want to have that luxury of having Wi-Fi in the backyard. You want to read our complete story? You know where to go. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Now, you probably have antivirus on your computers and tablets, but did you know that your router could be letting hackers into your home? The router is the heart of the connected home, but can also provide an entry point for hackers to attack anything connected to your network to infect your devices, steal your information, and even spy on your home. And unfortunately, just password protecting your router won't block these threats. Introducing Norton Core, a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that delivers speed and security all in one. Norton Core delivers next-gen Wi-Fi speeds to every corner of your home while helping to protect all of your connected devices, things like computers, phones, smart TVs, baby monitors, gaming consoles and smart speakers and even more. From digital threats to helping block them at the network level. With built-in parental controls, Norton Core also lets you set screen time limits by device or user, set content filters, and even pause the internet across your home, all from an easy-to-use smartphone app. Norton Core, the smart, more secure Wi-Fi router, is available now at your local Harvey Norman store. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide help desk. All righty. Well, for the Tech Guide Help Desk, we actually have some voice bites for you, and we are, we've got three voice bites from our readers, and you can send us in a voice bite if you like. You click on that blue icon on the Tech Guide site. You, uh, you can record a question that I will answer right here on the Tech Guide podcast. So I'll play your voice as I'm about to, our three readers here, play their voices on the podcast. The first person is Patrick. Hey Stephen, how does the Nighthawk X6 compare to the Orbi or the Google Wi-Fi in terms of performance? A great question from Patrick. He's, uh, he, his question was, how does the X6 uh, Nighthawk compare to an Orbi system? Well, I've got to say, in, we just talked about the Orbi outdoor satellite 
uh, the capabilities of Orbi and the fact that it is a an expandable system with the satellites, I say, puts it slightly ahead of the X6. The X6 is a, a standalone tri-band router, but the Orbi is a tri-band mesh Wi-Fi system, which means it can it can have a, a, a far wider coverage and better quality coverage in a wider area. So, Patrick, my advice to you would be. Get go the Orbi, and if you do want to cover outdoors, you know we just spoke about the Orbi outdoor satellite. Definitely worth checking out. Our next question is from Tim. Very expensive phone. Do you have any advice for me? Thank you. All right, let's start that again. I started at the end. I'm looking at getting um, a new phone soon, and I was interested in getting a good um, case to give us some protection, seeing it's going to be a fairly expensive phone. Do you have any advice for me? I do Thank have you. some advice. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, that was Tim. He. Uh, that's a good question. I think that we we buy smartphones and, and it's an investment. These these devices are expensive. We need to we need to uh, cover the phone. Keep keep it in in a protective case. We need to protect that investment. So most definitely, I think uh, the brands that I'd look at is uh, brands like Tech 21. They've got this uh, proprietary material inside where it can absorb the shock. Another brand, EFM, also have a similar technology where they've got their own little material built into the edges of of the device of the of the case to take off. So that you, uh, the impact is reduced if you happen to drop your phone. These are tested at you know, military grade testing. So most definitely, I'd, I'll try EFM, try Tech Twenty One. There are others, but if you want that real uh, protection with that proprietary material, then most definitely give those brands a try. EFM and Tech Twenty One. Uh, we've got another question from Trevor. Hi, Steve. Trevor Folsom here. Just testing this new great gadget. We also wanted to get your views on the best mini laptop or the Apple iPad. Well, that's a timely question as well. We were just we just finished speaking about the iPad Pro. We reviewed it earlier in the show, and the I think depending on what you're going to use it for. If you're if you're just going to use it for email, browsing, uh, just sort of basic stuff. Uh, yeah, you can do some editing and, and basic things. Then most definitely, the uh, an iPad or a tablet would, would suit, rather than getting weighed down by a bigger a bigger device like a laptop. Then most definitely, a laptop w- w- would would be enough. Uh, sorry, a tablet would be enough. But if you want to do things uh, with on a larger screen that are maybe a bit more processor intensive, if you're doing a lot of multitasking, if you need to drag data on and off uh, a device, then a laptop would probably be more suitable because tablets, especially the iPads, are fairly limited in in what you can connect, what you can transfer. Uh, with by with a connection, so it's not you can't connect a drive and just drag and drop stuff. You got to go transfer content to the cloud or wirelessly with AirDrop. So it's a little bit more involved uh, with with a tablet to do those sorts of things. If you have got that kind of workflow, then the a laptop would probably be more your device. But if you're pretty basic in your use, you know, uh, you know email browsing using apps, then most certainly a tablet would certainly fit the bill there. 
Uh, we've spoken about, of course, the iPad Pro, and we've written about plenty of cases and uh, everything else with the Orbi system. Everything that they've asked about in those voice bites, you can see at techguide.com.au. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, email us at info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.